0: how to stop being chronically unhappy so you can start being and feeling consistently happy. Hi everyone, welcome to Business Mindset Mastery. My name is Heather Gray and I'm a mindset and performance coach over at choosetohaveitall.com and I needed to settle in and have a good long listen. I think this episode is going to be a little bit longer than what you're usually accustomed to hearing from me, but I certainly hope it's a good one and I think it's an important conversation. I have a listener who reached out to me after listening to an episode that I did a couple of weeks ago on the 13 habits of chronically unhappy people and she was incredibly brave and vulnerable in sending me an email to say okay I had a listen and I actually think I do most of those things and you left me a little hanging like what do I do next and honestly that question is probably the episode I should have done um, it was an old blog post that I had written and I uh, repurposed it and redistributed it as that podcast episode and I at the time when I did it as a blog post I did it to get attention um a lot of people um will pay attention to the habits of chronically unhappy people they you know everybody likes to look at the shout outs and see who's being called out and all of that and it's not as um attention getting excuse me, it's not as attention-getting or alluring to sort of learn how to be happier. It doesn't sound as interesting. But for the people who are struggling and the people who are hurting and stuck in patterns of thinking and behavior that keep them chronically unhappy, It's the most important question that could have been asked, and it should have been asked by me. So I'm taking ownership here and setting the record straight, diving in to help you be and feel more consistently happy. Stay tuned. When we're talking about the habits of chronically unhappy people, what we're really talking about are the ingrained defense mechanisms that people have developed over time to protect themselves from additional pain and vulnerability. When we're afraid of rejection, when we're afraid of being hurt, When we're afraid of not being good enough, we set up patterns of thinking and acting and moving through the world that act as barriers from additional pain and additional hurt. But when you build walls that are intended to keep out the gremlins, that are intended to keep away feelings of disappointment, fear, loss, or abandonment, what often happens, and the natural side effect and natural consequence of that choice is that you don't let the light in. People who are chronically unhappy aren't just you know, misery seekers. They're not just looking to be the victim in life. Some of them are, honestly, probably, but a lot of people who live in a chronically unhappy state have been hurt and damaged by the world, sometimes like from early childhood, sometimes in early adulthood, but at some point in time, living life open and honest and vulnerable became incredibly too painful and it became easier to keep out the hurt than to let in the light and these patterns of behavior and ways of thinking developed over time and what happens when people do that is they make their worlds smaller They make the people around them smaller, and then the net that they cast out into the world is smaller. And they have fewer opportunities, fewer chances to get outside of their head, and fewer opportunities to lead a new life. It's the natural consequence that happens when you're, like consciously choosing to play small because the fear of going big is just too much. That's how you got here. To the listener who wrote in and asked me, like, what do I do now? You already did the first step. You acknowledge that you were stuck in this place of being chronically unhappy and you're looking to make a choice that sends you towards a direction of being consistently happy. The first choice is owning it, recognizing that it's no longer serving you, working for you, protecting you, or taking care of you. And you're recognizing in that moment and in this choice that if you have to live with fear, you would rather live with the fear that ends in an opportunity to feel better than ending in an opportunity to simply feel safer. Now, when I outlined the chronically unhappy people, I talked about how chronically unhappy people lead with fear. So if we're looking at how do we flip that, how do we reverse engineer it? Chronically, or rather consistently, happy people lead with what they want. They don't lead with what might not happen, what happens if they don't get what they want. They lead with what they want. Consistently happy people get crystal clear on the life they want to have, the life they want to live, the goals they have for themselves, and they own them. Every single one. And as they're making decisions and as they're moving through the world and they're looking at their day to day, they're asking themselves, does this choice get me consistently closer to the life I want, to the goals I have? Or does it move me, or does it move me further away? If you're asking yourself, how did I get here? How did I get stuck? Then you're looking in the wrong direction. You wanna start asking yourself, where do I wanna go next? Get crystal clear on that, spend time on that so that you can envision it and picture it for yourself and then we'll take it from there. If you wanna be consistently happy, you're gonna have to unpack that emotional baggage. Life happens to all of us. We have hurts, large and small. We have little trials of life and really big challenges in life. And they bring pain, sadness, fear, discouragement, and all of those dark feelings that are so much easier to be kept away, to keep be kept hidden and out of light. But what happens when we store them away, when we keep them packed, is we simply drag them with us everywhere we go. We never let go of it, we're never free of the burden of it, and we never get a chance to see the light because we're surrounding ourselves in the darkness that we've been carrying. If you wanna be consistently happy, you have to unpack the emotional baggage. You have to look at the things that have happened to you, the times that you did your best and your best didn't work, the heartbreaks you've endured, the people who've turned away and abandoned you. You have to go to those painful things, not to become a victim to them, not to feel bad about it and wrap yourself up in your misery, but to take an honest look and assessment at how you got here how did you become somebody who was so afraid to take the next step that they stopped moving you have to validate the honest to goodness hurts and loss for yourself and allow them to be real and to feel them to mourn them and to grieve them you can't get past them until you give yourself permission to feel them I think sometimes that's the myth about like consistently happy people they're assumed to be people who just never acknowledge their bad days or pretend that the bad days never happen when in fact consistently happy people deal with their stuff. They deal with the mess and then they clean it up. And we can't deal with the mess and we can't clean that mess up until we're willing to face it and say, God, this is really in the way. This is getting in the way of the day I want to have, the life I want to have. I have to take steps backward to clean this up. And sometimes in cleaning up the mess, you have to let go of things that you're still holding on to. So many people, just one example, so many people stay and hold on to their heartache because they want to remember the good that the person who broke their heart brought into their lives. I'm totally guilty of this. My worst heartbreak ever. I was in the relationship for maybe a year, if even, and I mourned that sucker for two years. I lost two years of new love and new dating experiences and a new life because I was so intent to hold on to the love that I had and the memories that I had made and the experiences I had inside of that heartbreak that I didn't open myself up to something new. We have to look at the baggage. We have to look at the stories, the lessons, the experiences. When we don't know what we could have done differently, we have to ask, just like the listener did in reaching out to me this weekend. We have to reach out and say, what am I supposed to take away from this? What will I never do again? What will I never tolerate again? What do I want to have happen instead? We have to be willing to unpack each piece, not in some obsessive victim mode, but in a curious mode that's open to the hurts that we may have to face in order to move away from it. Now, that classic heartbreak, I processed that thing to death, and I wasted a lot of time on a guy who didn't deserve it, but what I learned from it is that I was not experienced enough in relationships. I wasn't ready in a relationship to know what I wanted, to know what I needed, and to be able to stand up for it. I had to get more experience in order to be ready for a healthy, functional love. It took me way too long to figure that out, but my guess is if I hadn't spent so much time looking back, I would have been able to move forward way sooner. I said in the episode around chronic unhappiness that chronically unhappy people look for the ways that life sucks. That's a product of anxiety. People who are afraid of being hurt, people who are afraid of experiencing rejection, of disappointment, of um, their best not being good enough, of something happening that's beyond their control, or something happening that they don't believe themselves capable of dealing with, they start scanning the world for all of the risks and, um, you know, sort of situations in life that they may be screwed over, where they didn't get what they wanted where the waitress forgot their order but remembered everyone else's they start scanning their regular daily lives for examples for why they're going to come in second or third or last so they see the person who cut them off in traffic they see the person who didn't say thank you when they opened a door or the person who took the parking spot even though they saw that the other person saw them coming those type of examples is they are regularly scanning and looking for them because they feel and they the story that they tell themselves is if they see those risks coming, they can take ownership of it. They can take control over it and the bad thing won't happen. To be consistently happy is to be consistently vulnerable. To be open to disappointment and to be willing to be hurt in exchange for the life you want. When people are in ending relationships and they're in that breakup hell, I wish I learned this lesson last time and what I was just talking about, but when they um, are in that misery state, I always tell them they're not ready to date again until they're willing to have their heart broken again. Because... We can't guarantee that our next time up at bat is going to be the time that leads to the home run. We may have to go to bat and strike out several times. We may have to be tagged out a couple of times. Consistently happy people. Instead of looking for the ways that life sucks, look and scan the world for times that things went their way. When they were nice to someone and it was acknowledged. When they did their best and it worked. When they failed but they got a lesson out of it. It's not that they don't see the bad. They don't skip Pollyanna and Mary Poppins their way through the bad. They acknowledge the risk. They see the vulnerability, but they make the choice anyway to look for places where life is good. An example of this is um, there's a podcast. I highly recommend it um, if you guys are like podcast junkies like I am and if you're listening to this show, <laughs> odds are you might be. Um, there's this show called Kind World and it's these little snippets of just people doing good in the world. And I make it part of my own daily mindset practice to look for examples like that. There used to be a show on TV, and of course in the cynical age it wasn't really popular and it went off the air, but it was called Good News. And it was all the stories of um, just good-hearted, warm-hearted people. For me personally, on my Facebook page, on my personal profile, I always uh, use Mr. Rogers look for the helpers. I'm always looking for stories where somebody did good in the world in the face of cynicism and anger. I always look and scan for opportunities where I'm pleasantly surprised when I expected traffic and there was none. When I thought I was going to get to the restaurant without a reservation but I only had to wait a little bit of time. Because we're trained in that fight or flight response to look for risk to look for adversity. Consistently happy people reverse engineer that process by consistently looking for opportunities where life isn't all that bad, where it's kind of good and even great, while they acknowledge the suck. They don't go looking for it. They don't seek it out, but they don't ignore it either. Consistently happy people embrace the word and. Chronically unhappy people embrace the word but. That's the difference between the two groups of people if we really look at it closely. It's easy to stay in a place of fear, to stay in a place of what if, to say, yeah, I could try putting this out there. I could tell somebody what I really think. I could share my opinion. But what if I'm laughed at? What if I'm rejected? What if people misinterpret my intent? That last one, people being misunderstood, that's a major fear of why people never speak up in the first place. The reality is is that if you want to be consistently happy, you have to acknowledge the risk and acknowledge the opportunity. So, yes, I might be rejected, I might be laughed at, I might be ignored, I might be misinterpreted, and I have the opportunity to change lives and minds. And I have the opportunity to accomplish something I never thought I could. It's this way of looking at the world that sees what's possible while also acknowledging the risks. Again, I think that we're setting ourselves up for failure if we pretend that the, that risks and vulnerability aren't possible or won't happen. I think that's when we really get, you know, good swift kicks in the butt, if, you know, I'm going to be clear clear on that. It's this idea that, like, if you want to be consistently happy, you have to see opportunity where it exists, even if it's surrounded by by threats of failure. Um, those of you who know me personally, and now you're going to get to know me on a whole new level as I share this, but I am a football obsessed woman. Um, when I tell you I'm in rehab for fantasy football, it's actually not a stretch. Uh, I think I'm like eight or nine years sober at this point. But I did it for one year, and I, I was crazy about it. I, I did it every waking moment, and I got as a result I was like behind on my paperwork and all of these things. So um, there's no more fantasy football for me. But I still love good old fashioned American football um and I'm a New England Patriots fan, so you're either going to love me or hate me because they certainly are a polarizing team on that front too. But I was watching a game um, last night. I think it was um, Atlanta Falcons against uh, Green Bay for Sunday Night Football. And I watched this Atlanta Falcon receiver, and the um, the quarterback had like, thrown the ball. The receiver's going after it. He runs through two Green Bay Packers, um, defensive men in order to catch the darn ball and he caught it by the time he caught it there was a third Green Bay defense uh, man on him and he nailed it but you have to be willing to run through those two hunks of men in order to catch the little tiny ball in order to make that play If you think, oh God, I might end up being the meat in this Green Bay sandwich, you never go for that catch. You let it be someone else's. It's taking those chances and making those split-second decisions that are the difference between being chronically unhappy or consistently happy. When the opportunity's in front of you and you see the risk, you just have to go for it. Because yes, there is risk, But there's also opportunity, and you gotta look for those. I'm laughing to myself a little bit right now, so I have to let you in on the joke. So, in the last segment, I couldn't think of the word linebacker. Um, so, I was talking about my love of football and my obsession with football on live recording, and suddenly I'm like, crap, I can't think of the word linebacker. So, defenseman, defensive man, or whatever it was I said, you just have to ignore that and listen to the lesson behind the point that I made, because uh, clearly the words in that moment escaped me. But- But in any case, uh, moving on and continuing a really important conversation. So consistently happy people say yes. They just go for it. When opportunities are put in front of them, when the world opens up in ways that are kind of sudden and unexpected, they go for it. Chronically unhappy people, again, remember what I said, they stay in that word, but. Yeah, I could, but I'd get home late. Sure, it sounds fun, but it's probably expensive. I could try for that, but nobody would really care. Nobody likes the things I like. Those trains of thought, That if that sounds familiar, you're still in that chronically unhappy land. Consistently happy people just say yes, and they figure it out. Recently, I had this opportunity Opportunity. A business proposition was put in front of me and I had no idea how I was gonna figure it out when I was gonna find the time for it or how it was all gonna work but I knew the opportunity wasn't gonna last so I just said yes with the intention that I would just figure it out all later um, and that's the way to do it because otherwise if you say oh I don't know what about my time I have to check my schedule the person putting the opportunity in front of you is just gonna go and ask somebody else and that's just that's the way businesses but that's also a little Bit the way life is. If there's a free concert and you need to get there in 27 seconds, like you have to figure out a way to just go and be late rather than say, Oh, I'm going to be late. I'm going to miss this opportunity. Um, I'll just catch them next time. Saying yes is about looking at seeing and perceiving the value of an opportunity, even if it's not going to work out for you, even if it's not going to be perfect, even if it doesn't fit all of the things all of the time, you're going to say yes and you're going to figure it out. Marie Forleo likes to say, everything's figure outable. I usually lean on everything's Googleable, that if I don't know, I'll <laughs> look it up. But the idea that consistently happy people say yes to new opportunities, because it's the new opportunities that give us an escape from our regular everyday. When we play it too safe, when we don't go for the thing we really want, we lose out on those opportunities, but we still have life stressors all around us. We still have all of those opportunities, like, you know, the, the, the burdens and the heartaches and the heartbreaks are still with us. A couple of years ago, and I think I've already shared this on the show, but in case I haven't, um, you know, take a listen. But two years ago, in 2015, my husband um, was sick, and he was sick for eight months. It was six hospitalizations and five surgeries, or I might have had that backwards. I think it was five hospitalizations and six surgeries. But in any case, it was a long, prolonged illness that never ended. And i had had plans at one point in, in this journey to see Brene Brown live doing a book tour. And those of you who are getting to know me probably could tell I am a huge Brene Brown fan. I'm all about daring greatly and going after your big life. It's kind of the core of my business. So the idea that because my husband was in the hospital, I may not get to go was heartbreaking. And what I realized is that after months and months of caregiving, months and months of saying no, of waiting and putting my life on hold this was something I simply could not say no to and at the time we didn't know how his health was going to go we didn't know where where we were going to be the next day or the next week and I ended up having to have a really hard conversation because he was admitted to the hospital but I knew crystal clear that I needed this opportunity for myself. I had to say yes to Brene Brown. There was no way I could say no. Not this time. Not after all of the sort of deductions that had gotten taken from my emotional savings account. I needed a whopping big deposit. So I had a really hard conversation with my husband. And I'm going to continue on because I'm about to run out of time. Stay tuned. So as I was saying, I knew that I needed to say yes to Brene Brown. I knew I needed this opportunity. I needed to be with someone who I consider to be a role model and a mentor and an advisor in my life, even from afar. I've never had a one-on-one conversation with her. I probably would lose my mind if that opportunity happened. Um, But I knew I needed to do it. So I said to my husband, I said, listen, when I made this reservation, when I made the plans to go to this event, we thought you would be better by now. And you're not. And you're still in the hospital. I'm really sorry, but I need to go. I really think I need this. Her book is called, at the time, was Rising Strong. I was like, I really need some help in rising strong because this is hurting and this is hard and I need a shot of motivation. So it would have been so easy to be in that victim mindset to say, oh, my husband's in the hospital, I have to say no to this. Oh, this is happening. Who leaves, you know, what kind of wife leaves their husband and goes off to see a book tour that they could probably catch on YouTube? Well, this woman does, and this wife did. I had the hard conversation, and I said yes. And it was the best decision I could have made for myself. It reaffirmed my why. It got me clear on who I wanted to be and how I wanted to move through the world. Even though my husband had been sick for such a prolonged time, even though I didn't know where it was going to lead, I just said yes. Consistently happy people recognize that life is busy, that there are a ton of demands on us. But... It takes time and it's important, but you have to have fun. Chronically unhappy people think that fun is something reserved for the people who have the luxury of it who have the time, who have the money, who have the bandwidth. Um, But consistently happy people know that fun and opportunity don't just come your way sometimes. You have to go looking for it, and you have to be intentional about it. You have to recognize that our bodies and our spirits and our souls need a release. They need a way of dealing with the hard, and one of the ways you do that is by going and finding fun. And now this is the same thing I get on this kick every time when people start talking about self-care, because everybody sort of imagines that self-care is yoga and meditation and Zen and going to the spa and getting a facial. And if that was self-care, I would be like in great detriment and great need because those things don't work for me. Self-care for me is a game of football. Self-care for me is getting in the car and going on a road trip and taking pictures of landscape. I know what I like and I know what I need and that's how I define self-care. The same thing is with fun, that consistently happy people have fun, but we recognize that what's fun for us may not be fun for everyone. So we have to be self-aware to know what we need that gives us that release. Where do we have a good time? Where do we get that energy and the zest for life and the motivation and the inspiration to go into a new day? The answer is going to be different for all of you, but if you spend some time Looking at and listening to yourself around when was the last time I had fun and answering it and allowing more fun to your life, it's easier when life gives you some hard. Consistently happy people have the hard talks. I just shared one that I had with my husband when he was in the hospital. But that's not the only hard talk we need to have when we're getting through life. Sometimes it's the talk. The I'm not happy in this relationship talk. Um, my needs aren't getting met talk. You hurt my feelings talk. A lot of chronically unhappy people Ignore their hurts that are caused by other people that are important to them. They fester and they rot inside themselves, but they're never released because the important conversation was never had. If you want to be consistently happy, you have to consistently communicate. It's simply non-negotiable. People need to know where you stand, what you think and feel matters, and when your feelings are hurt, when you've been let down, disappointed, or discouraged, you have to have a way to talk about it to the people that you're in contact with. Otherwise, you just keep to yourself, you start to isolate, and you play small. Hard conversations aren't a thing that everyone goes rushing to sign up for. And sometimes they do take some time to prepare yourself for. That talk that I talked about with my husband in the hospital, I probably worked that speech out in my head for about a month before I ended up having to say it. First, because I said, well, maybe he'll be better by then. And second is, it's really going to hurt his feelings that I'm going to leave and do this fun thing when he's still stuck in the hospital. And all the other stories we talk about ourselves when we're trying to talk ourselves out of having a hard conversation. But when you want to be consistently happy, it means having hard conversations. You just have to get it done. To say what you mean and mean what you say, it avoids fights, it avoids it avoids like outright conflict when you're simply having hard discussions. I said in that last episode about chronically unhappy people how they tend to stay in miserable job situations. I think I actually could have just globalized that a little bit and expanded the thought. It is true that a lot of chronically unhappy people are unhappy because they stay in miserable jobs. But it's also true, too, that chronically unhappy people simply stay in miserable situations, in obligations outside of jobs that they've made, in commitments that they've made that they feel trapped in. But if we're going to get specific about something that takes up a ton of our time, our job is a really good place to t- To start, if you are if you're not happy doing what you're doing in the environment that you're doing it in, it is soul sucking to be stuck in it day after day, week after week, year after year. Consistently happy people refuse to accept that as a fact of their lives and they look to change it beginning, middle and end. Is it, it's unacceptable to a consistently happy person to stay in a miserable job unless they've decided to own the parts of it that suck because they need the gains. So sometimes you need to do your reps, do your time, um, work it out at the bottom of the ladder in order to get the top. But you have to choose the parts that are hard of a job situation and actively choose to accept them because of what you want. But when you just say, I have a awful boss, I have a miserable job situation, I'm never going to get promoted, nobody notices what I do, they only notice when I fail. Nobody would care if I came in today. If you're in that chronic sucky job place and you're not trying to get out of it, you are going to end up chronically unhappy. If you can own the suck in order to plan your future better. That's, you know, that's optimal. But otherwise, if you want to be consistently happy, now's the time to start planning on how you're going to get out. And you don't this isn't a lecture on becoming an online business entrepreneur or own your own business or do your own thing. That isn't the agenda here. But you do have to find something that lights you up more. A plan B, a new job, a new opportunity that's going to fulfill you and light you up. Because the next thing that comes is consistently happy people don't rely on electronics to get through and move through their world. Beginning, middle, and end again. Chronically unhappy people numb out to electronics and they live with their phones attached, their laptops, all of their devices to stop them from experiencing the world. Consistently happy people use their electronics to make their worlds bigger and better. And when that isn't working, they unplug, shut off, and tune into the people around them consistently happy people stop putting up walls that keep them from feeling and experiencing the life that's right in front of them I was watching the other day on a talk show um, somebody like a guest in the audience was surprised with her favorite celebrity and he was you know a teeny bopper kid so she was like in the audience and the you know the main, <laughs> the main event the celebrity whoever he was at the time is coming out and she's like holding the phone towards his face and he she's like oh my god oh my god with her arm outstretched and meanwhile he's coming to her and he's asking her questions and I don't even think she was he was You know, she was even answering them because she was so tuned into the electronic, she wasn't tuned into the experience. And how many times do we do that and get sucked in by that? But when you want to be consistently happy, you have to examine your intention when you're picking up your device and be conscious about what you're looking to get out of it and when it's time to put that device down so you can experience whatever's in front of you. Consistently happy people show up in their lives with their boundaries set. They know who they are, they know what they deserve, and they know what they're worth. They recognize that people will treat them based on what they tolerate, and they do not allow toxic people to take up space or emotional energy in their lives. Chronically unhappy people fall victim to this circumstance, and when someone is toxic and like a cancer in their life, they deem themselves sort of out of control of it or incapable of managing it or feel like their lives aren't their own, their time isn't their own, and this person is just gonna do whatever they want, so you might as well let them get it done right away and get it over with. Consistently happy people find that choice wholly unacceptable. They acknowledge the toxicity, they name the cancer, and they take the steps necessary to remove it from their lives. They recognize that we truly are the qualities in the sum of the top five people we spend the most time with and they refuse to allow a toxic person to be one of those people. They don't allow a toxic person into their inner circle without a set awareness of the dynamics involved and the reason for doing so. Sometimes, for example, toxic people are in our immediate families and those relationships can't always last. But sometimes, if you want to figure out how to have a relationship with someone who's also toxic, you can't pretend their toxicity away. You can't pretend that they don't have these poor patterns of behavior. But you show up to that relationship with boundaries in place, knowing the conversations you're willing to have and the conversations that are off limits. If you're not going to be... Present for that for very long, you're gonna know what your time limit is, what you will accept, and what you simply won't. But consistently happy people own that rather than handing over the control to the person who's the cancer, who wants to spread the evil, who doesn't want the benefit of a healthy life surrounded by wellness. Consistently happy people are consistently taking care of themselves. They don't ignore symptoms. They don't pretend things aren't wrong when clearly something is. They know that regular sleep is part of the equation and they make sure they get it. They take care of their bodies and the fuel and the food that they take and the exercise they do and how they live their lives. Chronically unhappy people don't pay it any attention and they often fall victim to their lives. But consistently happy people will look at what's going on, see what needs to be attended to and just get on with attending it. It's, it's remarkable to me how many times in my counseling career I would hear people tell me things about medical ailments, of chronic headaches, random dizzy spills, stomach aches, things that were scary or um just would make them feel unsure so they wouldn't go to the doctor they were so afraid of what they'd find out that they didn't even take care of the problem they didn't find the answer and when i tell you everything is googleable i don't think i'm talking about your health because that can send you down a dangerous dangerous rabbit hole of information and confusion. But they all consistently happy people own their health and they own that they're responsible to maintain it. That if they want to live long, healthy lives, if they want to be able to do the activities that they value and that are important to them, they're going to have to take care of their bodies. It's simply non-negotiable. We all have extremes and intensities with that and some of us are going to go like kind of balls to the wall with it and other people are going to play it a little bit safer in the middle, but it's on the agenda, and it's on the radar. It doesn't go ignored. Consistently unhappy people embrace the control that they have to change the course of their lives. So many times people fall victim to what has happened to them, to the things that they've had to endure, the unexpected events that life can hand them. Consistently happy people will always look for what's working what isn't, and go looking and perceiving the opportunities to change what isn't working for something that will. They recognize that they get one trip around this life, that they are solely responsible for building and creating the lives that they want, and they take control and they make it happen. Chronically unhappy people stay victim to their lives and what's happened to them. They don't see themselves as having any control over changing a situation. They fill their stories with buts and what ifs and dangers and risks. Consistently happy people look for the opportunities. They acknowledge it may not always go well. They may strike out a time or two, but they keep showing up. They are open to asking for and accepting help. They don't see something that's done in front of them right now as final and complete without also recognizing that if it didn't work out, if it didn't go the way they planned, there's always a lesson there. They don't stand still. They don't refuse to move. And they keep looking for the opportunities where their lives can be better. The listener who reached out, She started that process for herself, and I hope you're still with me through the end of this episode listening so that you know you did this, but that you had the opportunity to change the way you've been feeling about your life, and you can start living it differently starting right now. And that is true for all of you listeners. I do hope you all lasted through the end and that you took the time to really consider where you personally are on this path, where the control exists for you to change it, and that you've made decisive action and intent towards making it different so you can decide what happens next. Consistently happy people always own that they have the control for what happens next. Thanks so much for sticking in and sticking with me for this episode. I know it was a long one. I hope you found it valuable and important, and I really enjoyed having it with you. Thanks to the listener who wrote in. I think it was a brave and vulnerable question. I hope you're feeling better for listening. And if you have a question on how you can get unstuck in your own life, please do uh, write it to me in my inbox, Heather at choosetohaveitall.com. Head over to the Facebook group of the same name, Choose to Have It All. Find me there and let's keep talking because we can all be consistently happier.